listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're listening to the Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. And recently we did a whole show. We had a party with pet partners and we talked about dog body language. And I promised you I'd come back and give you cat body language, but not just cat body language. Also, how are cats and dogs different? How are they the same in the way they communicate with their body language? And the only way I could do that effectively, the best way, is to invite a very, very uh, observant and articulate cat expert who can tell us exactly what the cat body language part of this is like and how it compares to the dog body language. So I'm inviting back to the show Dusty Rainbow, cat writer extraordinaire. Welcome to the show, Dusty. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to speaking with you and your listeners. Well, okay, so if we're having a party and you want to come and you're happy to come through the door and you're a cat, what's your body going to do? What's your happy walk-through-the-door pose? My happy walk-through-the-door the pose is I'm going to have my ears forward, my whiskers forward as well. Uh, my tail is going to be up with a slight hook at the end, uh, you know, maybe bent over to the side or bent to the front or the back, just at the very tip. And uh, I'm going to be very relaxed. My muscles okay, are not so, going to be tight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So a dog in the same situation, I think, would be really similar. It might have a goofy expression on its face. No tense muscles. No tightness. Okay. No fur standing on end. But you know what? Even though that's fairly similar, the similarities aren't as big as the differences, right? When we're talking about cat and body language. Cat body language that's- and dog body language. That is correct. And, of course, the big one is wagging the tail. And I have a funny story. My aunt was 78 years old when she got her very first cat. And she loved to read my uh, my columns uh, in, in a little local magazine. And one day she calls me and she says, I'm so excited. Miss Kitty loves to be brushed and I said oh really how does she how do you know she loves to be brushed (gasps) she just sits there and she wags her tail when I brush her oh and and for those of you who yeah that's (laughs) like uh uh-oh watch out grandma right like that's not going to be good for great aunt that is exactly right yes so so I had to explain to her that a wagging tail in a dog is generally a pretty good thing but a wagging tail in a cat means that, you know, they're not happy, they're losing their patience, and the more they thump the tail, uh, the more likely you are to get nails. So, you know, the good news is she told me that. I was able to explain that that's a completely different response from a dog, and she never got hurt. <laughs> and she stopped grooming as vigorously as she was, and everybody was happy. Well, see, there's the thing, though, right, that the cat is trying to show you with its body something's wrong here. Do, you know, and and in that case, yeah, or or be more gentle, not so rough, not so rough. And so we really do need to read our cats and our dogs or we start thinking, oh, that cat is just aggressive 
or that dog is just depressed or because we're not really picking up on what they're saying. The cat cat would love to be brushed more gently, but when you're doing it like that, it kind of hurts and he's not having a good time and he's putting up with it because he's a decent animal, but eventually he's going to have to say, forget it, right? Walk away or whatever. Yes, and you have to remember that this doesn't have to do with body language, but cats have very sensitive skin. Their skin is very thin. So, you know, they might feel pain from something that you would do to a dog that wouldn't bother the dog at all. And also, cats tend to start getting upset if you pet them for too long. I mean, you think about when you pet your arm and, and put a lot of pressure on it. And if you do that for two or three minutes, it's going to be uncomfortable. And so you think about how sensitive cats are. And, you know, it's always better to leave them wanting more. <laughs> well, and and give them what they want too. You know, when your cat exactly what they want. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. say your cat has mats on its rear or behind its ears, and it obviously mm-hmm. doesn't want you to brush those parts, but you need to brush those parts. Okay, I mm-hmm. get it. There's a problem there, right? But you can kind of make it worth his while to stay by spending loads of time on the parts he wants brushed. And sneaking in your bits shortly and quickly and happily, along with maybe a treat he loves on the parts exactly. that he doesn't like. And that way you get the job done. But you kind of, you know, when especially when you're meeting a new dog or a new cat, if they're saying to you, pet me here, they're rubbing their head into you or they're rolling over on their back in the case of a dog to give you his stomach, you know, pet them where they say they want it. Pet them as hard as they say they want it. If they're pulling away, they want it softer. If they're pushing against you, they want it harder. But that kind of brings us to our second thing. Okay. You just said something I, I oh, want sure. to expand yeah. on. You were talking about when they fall over on their back and they want you to pet ah, them. That's where we're going. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. That's a trick <laughs> with a cat. Okay, so in I the dog world... fly trap. <laughs> yes. Okay, in the dog world, that really is, I trust you pat my tummy. That's what that is. It's completely no trick at all, right? You could see that and you go, that dog loves me. Trust me. I'm going to scratch his tummy and probably he's going to shake his back leg because I'm going to hit his trigger spot. It's going to be funny and he's not going to mind. He's going to roll in the wet grass and he's just going to love it. He wants to be pet there. Not true with a cat, right, Dusty? That's exactly right. (laughs) Now, the cat could be telling you one of two things. If a cat really trusts you and he falls over on his back and he's relaxed and he's showing you his belly, you thank him and pet him on the head, scratch him under the chin. But generally, that is the most vulnerable area. And unless you have an unusual cat and you know the cat, do not reach down. He is not generally asking you to pet his tummy. He is saying, I trust you. I I trust you enough to expose my most vulnerable area to you. But if you touch it, (laughs) I'm going to bite you. The other thing that... Yeah, it's almost like I trust you not to touch my tummy if I show it to you. So you don't want to break that trust. What about right under the chin, the chest patch? Often cats have a white patch there. Is that an okay spot if they're rolled over on their back as opposed to the tummy, which is kind of near the groin? I think it's probably a lot better. I like the chin and the throat. They they seem to like that too. You know, every cat is different. You can't say 100% that they're going to like that. But but the the, uh, locket is certainly much safer than the the chest. The other thing I wanted to say about the belly-up position, that could also be a sign of war because uh, a cat 
that is belly up is exposing all of their, they're bringing all their weapons to bear. They have claws, they have, uh, you know, front and back claws, and they have their teeth. And uh, a defensive cat is going to turn over on his back, and anybody trying to jump on him or fight with him is going to have to deal with all of those pointy objects. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's just a good idea unless you know that a cat likes belly rubs, and there are a few, but they're rare. And, you know, just trust that the cat is showing you that and thank him and be complimented. (laughs) Well, it's usually not going to go well for you because they'll grab you with all four paws, all of their claws. In my case, I have one cat who has extra toes on two feet. So, oh my gosh, you're going to get scratched. And you know why? You're trying to be affectionate with him and he's trying to show you trust. So if you treat him like a dog, it's not going to work out so good. We're going to go through a few more of these when we come back. We're going to talk a little more about the wagging tail because a wagging tail, well, I'll just finish it before we go to break. A wagging tail and a dog. If the tail is relaxed, then usually if it goes with all the other relaxed signs, like no fur up, no tense muscles, no tense posture, no growling, no snarling, if it goes with everything else, then usually a wagon tail means happy dog. But there are a few dogs who get happy when they're going to fight because they love to fight. So, so in those cases, it's very hard to read the wagging tail. And if the tail is too, too stiff and rather than wagging, it's more like smacking or beating. And uh-huh. you'll see this with cats too, right? Bang, bang, bang goes the tail. Yeah. <laughs> hard and stiff. Do, do. Okay, that's, that's aggression in dogs just like it is in cats. So don't be fooled by a moving tail unless it's wagging softly on a dog. If it's wagging softly on a cat, I think the cat is strategizing. Is that true? Well, with the dog, <laughs> it, with the dog, I just want to add one other thing. It's mm. kind of like a human smile. You know, usually a human smile means people are happy or, or you know, but a human smile could also be a mean smile. It could also be nervous. So when you're looking at body language, whether it's a dog or a cat, you have to look at everything, you know the back fur, the, you know, the muscles, the whiskers, the ears, the eyes, you know, are they uh, constricted? Are they dilated? Uh, It's the whole package. And I think with a dog, circumstances are really key. If you Mm -hmm. are in doubt at all, and you are, for example, on a property line, a border, a gate, a car window, anything that the dog might perceive as his territory, the rest Mm -hmm. of the world... You need to just err on the side of caution on that one because he has an overall security job to do. Even if he's a chihuahua, he thinks he's in charge of security. So, you know, there are some cats who think they're in charge of security. So stay tuned. We're going to talk a little (laughs) bit about that when we come back with the cat writer, Dusty Rainwald. I always think of you as the cat wrangler, but you're the cat writer. Either one. I'm good. I'm both. (laughs) All right. So stay tuned. We'll be back with Deb Wolf. And Dusty Rainbolt. And if you're listening to this and you want to see puppies, desperately want to see puppies, I did send the pictures. So they should be posted. There'll be pictures posted of the newborn puppies as they were last week when they were brand new with their mama. And uh, one close up right, right when it was just born. Really, really close up. And uh, as they grow, we'll be posting more and more pictures of mom and pups on Facebook, Camp Good Dog. Plus, right now, I have an eight-week-old apricot poodle, standard poodle for sale. When you have beautiful male dogs like I do, sometimes they get paid more than you can imagine to mate 
you know, it puts us humans to shame. It makes you wonder about your own self-worth when your dog is worth that much to do that. But off he goes and he produces a beautiful litter and I get one puppy to sell. So this is the one puppy I'm trying desperately not to get attached to because I must sell it. It's apricot. We're calling it Tauntaun because Antonio, which is the name it was given, is just too formal for such a cute little guy. And if anybody in the local area is interested in a standard poodle puppy, I know they're hard to come by. This one's for sale and he's beautiful. And you can meet uh, Grandpa and Papa and Big Brother and a whole bunch of relatives. So so let us know. Go look at him and the newborn litter of Golden Doodles. That's what they are with their Golden Retriever Mama on Camp Get Dog Facebook. Okay, so we'll be back with Dusty Rainbow with more cats and dogs, dogs and cats, how they're different, how they're the same, and the body language you need to learn to read if you want to understand your pets better. Stay tuned. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, you're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. I hope you brought your well-behaved dogs who get along with cats and your well-behaved cats who don't go hide in the rafters of the veterinary office when they go for a visit. Your cats who don't lash out at you and ambush you. So we're going to talk more with Dusty Rainbolt about cat body language. But before we do, I learned something recently about, um, well, I always knew that xylitol was a big problem. But recently I discovered that it's in a lot of things and it's disguised with a lot of names and it's the number one killer of pets right now in America. And it comes in all your sugar-free type stuff. So if you leave the food out, the bag of chips, whatever it is that's got it in it and the dog or the cat gets a hold of it, they're in real trouble. So Dusty, I wonder, have you heard about this in the cat world? Because I'm mostly hearing about it in the dog situations. Well, I think it's not as common uh, a problem in cats because cats don't have the ability to taste sweet. They don't have a sweet tooth like a human or a dog does. However, it's in so many products. It's in gum, and cats generally don't like gum. Uh, It's in cookies. It's in toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, all of that. And, And, again, these aren't products that cats generally like. However, if it's in something that they do like or if they're sneaking a bite, it can still cause the same health problems as uh, in a dog. So you know what the real... Be careful with the peanut butter. Yes, that's the scary one. I know a lot of people that use Mm -hmm. peanut butter as a treat, but uh, more and more the, the big peanut butter brands are adding this. So if you want to give your dog peanut butter, I'd go to uh, a place that... uh, we have a store down the street, and and they have a machine that grinds the peanuts, and it's just peanuts. 
So, yeah, all know. the supermarkets here do that. It tastes terrible to humans who are used to the product that comes smooth and sweetened and salted. But the dog doesn't know the difference. He'll actually probably like it better. So mm-hmm. if you're making peanut butter cookies for your dog or you're hiding pills in peanut butter, go with the real stuff because this is really dangerous. So, okay, so I just Check wanted to talk about that a little bit. Check okay. the label. All right, so cat and dog body language. I know I, yes. I, I left them hanging on the break, so let's go back to how cats and dogs can be a little bit different. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about the ears. Most of the time when you see a cat, if the ears are back or if they're flat, that's uh, not a good thing. Uh, don't, don't touch that kitty. You're going to lose a hand. However, again, it it goes back to looking at the entire cat. Is the cat relaxed? We had the strangest little kitty. His name was Cosmo. And when you uh, stroked him on the head, his ears would go positively flat against his head. And the only thing I can think of, I mean, his whiskers were forward, his eyes were relaxed, his muscles were relaxed, he's happy as a camper, he's purring. Uh, but his ears are flat. And we got to take a lot of pictures of that, you know, oh, this is an angry cat. No, it's not. But he must have just wanted me to get really close to his head. But look at everything the cat's doing. Uh, relaxed cats, generally, their whiskers are relaxed, drooping down, or a little bit forward, and the ears. So, uh, and the tail. <laughs> so, Look at everything. Okay, so ears. I find that when you said that, I was thinking same in horses. If you're riding mm-hmm. a horse and all of a sudden his ears pin back, okay, yes. well, first of all, look at what you're doing. Are you hanging on to the reins too tight? Are you pulling on his mouth? Is something not right? Because that horse is not happy and he's about to do something about it. It might be get rid of you. You know, most horses, that's their first option. Get rid of the rider. So hang on and figure out what you're doing wrong if his ears go back. Now, it might be something like he's afraid of the overhanging trees you're about to approach. It might be something or, like or that. Or he sensed a snake nearby or a lot of... Yeah, yeah it might be something like that. But you still don't want him to, as a knee-jerk reaction, get rid of his rider. So mm-hmm. hang on tight. <laughs> Try and figure out what it is. Horses are often scared of things... Flapping unidentifiably, things like a garbage bag caught in a tree will freak out a horse. Things people hang up for Halloween, decorations like that, garbage bags even at a distance. So you kind of have to put yourself in the horse's perspective and maybe slow down, take a little more distance from that area he's so spooked by. Or if he's a follower, follow someone a little more closely, another horse. But when we get back to cats and dogs, the ears... Well, first I want to comment on what you said before about knowing your individual animal. That's really good. Because there's certain dogs that are so submissive, they will immediately tuck their tail, tuck their ears, act like they're so afraid, roll over. But if they do this every day for every greeting... You know, they're not, it's not that they're being bullied. It's just they overreact. And I would suggest if they do that, you need some confidence building training. You need to teach them that there's other ways to meet and greet. So get them around inferior dogs and teach them to act confidently, to walk into the situation and stand up while the puppies run around or the little dogs run around. You know, get the dog more and more confident, boost its confidence. Because when you play victim enough, eventually someone will victimize you, for sure. If you're rolling over in the dog park and someone's there who wants to make a point, he's going to come over and make you the point. So don't ask to be, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, don't hurt me, you know. But you do need to know your dog because some dogs, they exhibit certain behaviors when... 
you know, a little bit off the mark of the usual dog, like you're saying with this one cat. So know your own animal to know what he or she does. Watch them. That's a huge part of this is watching. You know, if every time my animal's afraid, he stands like that. Or every time he's happy, he does this. You know, you'll learn what what his signs are, right? And it's the same with cats, isn't it? It is. It it really is. The first time uh, Cosmo did that, it was very intimidating. But then we realized, oh, he does this every time. And he's actually bumping your hand and begging for more. So that was just a trait that he had. I had another cat who was very strange. He was my first cat, and I thought they all did this. But he growled as a form of communication. I mean, he could growl and purr at the same time. So uh, it, it was very strange. He terrified everybody. But a very gentle, sweet boy. And But that was just the way he, he talked. So know your cat. Listen, you know, give the, the animal a chance to show you what they want. Yeah, I think that's really, really key to all this is reading your animal and watching your animal. But there are some things that are kind of universal. So Mm -hmm. when dogs fight, if it's really, really loud, it means they're not biting. They're actually arguing. And I think oftentimes the loudest dog, most of the time, is not the bully. He would rather not fight. That's why he's complaining so much. It's the same in the cat world, I think. It is. It it absolutely is. If you have a cat that's a a bully and you have a kitty who is being bullied or is fearful, uh, cats do not want to get into a fight because their saliva is full of bacteria and they don't want to break a tooth. They don't want to injure their claws. You know, I mean, if you get into a fight as a, a wild cat, you could become injured and not be able to defend yourself, may not be able to provide for yourself, catch food. So cats don't want to come into contact and get into a fight. Cat fights only last a couple of seconds, but the the prelude to that is you'll probably have one cat staring at the other or stalking, uh, you know, Halloween kitty. But And the one that's going to be screaming is the one that feels threatened. So, uh, you know... Right, yeah, same in dogs. Oh, that's the one that's aggressive. And, and that's the one, one who gets punished. Screaming. They go, yeah, they, they go to the growling dog and they say, bad dog. And the growling dog is the one saying, you know, don't start this fight. Yeah, don't start this fight. I don't want to fight. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, and the other one is like ready to fight. So yeah. when you punish the cat that's saying, yeah, help me, help me, help me, it's not the way to go. So you got to right. know the difference. Another way to tell. I learned from, I think it was Cat Wrangling Made Easy, your book there, about how they walk through a room. Can you explain that? Yes. The confident cat is going to walk through the middle of the room. He is the one that's going to have eye contact. Uh, If he's threatening another cat, he will be staring at the other cat. The other cat will walk along the perimeter of the room. He doesn't want contact. He will not look the other cat in the eye. He's going to avoid eye contact at all costs. So when the threats begin, the Halloween kitty is going to be the one who feels threatened. Now, they'll both puff up a little bit, but full-blown Halloween kitty, is it's a ploy. He's trying to make himself as big and ominous so that you'll be intimidated and leave him alone. And the crouched, coiled kitty, even though he looks small, is about to spring, (laughs) right? It is that's attack. 
Think rattlesnake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Think rattlesnake. So, so some of this, um, Dusty, you just touched on, and we have to go to another break. So we'll just deal with this one last thing, and we'll go to break and come back again. But some of this is about mimicry and response. So in the case of the cat that somehow learned that if he looked like he had a problem with his ears or was really angry, you'd all get in there. And he, all he wanted was attention. So he kind of learned to give the wrong signal. Sometimes we inadvertently reward things. Or in my case, I can't help but smile at puppies and kittens and dogs. I smile so wide. And I guess I smile lopsided because what ends up happening is they, all the puppies who grow up here end up smiling on one side of their face. Okay, like all of them. Right. And my mama dogs do it. My, my puppy dogs do it. A dog spends a little bit of time here. He's probably going to pick it up. Well, when a dog smiles at you and you don't know him, sometimes that's perceived as growling or, or snarling or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really in dog language, the smile is not a natural, happy greeting. It's not. But they override dog language to speak human for us. And so we kind of have to know that. And I think, so that's one side of the mimicry where the dog or the cat may be giving you a signal he's gotten rewarded for or he's learned you like, right? Like he, you like it when he, he, um, he smiles. So now he does it, even though in a dog world, it would be seen as aggression. And then there's the other side of mimicry, which is when us humans see what they do and copy it. So uh, like whenever... My favorite, yeah. that okay. is the Go kitty kiss. Oh, yeah, go for it. The kitty kiss. Cats who are showing affection to you will look you in the eyes and close their eyes slowly and then open them up again. And that's called a kitty kiss. And it's not a stare, but it's just, it's relaxed. The the eye eye closes, opens, and you can do that. You can blink back to them. And that that is a sign of respect and affection. And trust. If you're trying to to make friends with a cat... Try that. You know, okay, so we're getting on to, I want to talk about mimicry again. I'm going to go back to that. But since we're talking about eye contact, eye contact is so key in all this. You know, when a dog is afraid or challenged or aggressive, when anything serious and any kind of conflict is about to happen, there's a lot of communication with eye contact. So if you don't want to have conflict, don't look in their eyes. Just don't look in them. Just don't, you're approaching a dog who's afraid of you and you don't want him to be afraid of you. Look at your feet. Look at the dirt. Look at his feet. Do something else. Use what they do. When I'm working with animals, and I've worked with all kinds of animals. I've worked with wildlife and wolves and baby gorillas and, you know, you name it. I observe them. I observe what they do. And that's what I do. So when two friendly animals in a cage are meeting and they both start to, each one starts pretending he's obsessed with cleaning himself as a sign that he's not obsessed with making a conflict, I realize, okay, so I'll just like brush my hair when I'm in there, just sort of fuss with myself. You know, I'll just fix my clothes and I'll just, you know, okay, look, look, over there, those, those animals, when they're trying to show they're not challenging each other, they eat. Okay, I'll pretend to eat something while I'm sitting there. And all these habits, they go over. So if I'm bird watching and I don't stare at the bird, and I pretend to be busy doing something, even though it's counterintuitive. There I am moving around. I'll actually get birds closer to me and doing more things with me than if I stand still and wait, watching. There's no way they're coming then. 
They got eagle eyes. They could see you. So it works cross species. <laughs> if you watch what they do, right? Other birds mixing in a yard, they'll be busy eating and pecking and foraging for food. So that's what you do. Weed your garden. The birds will come, right? But you stand there right. watching for them. They're not coming. So <laughs> this, this all works. So, okay, we have to go to break. We'll be back to talk more about cat body language and dog body language and how they're different and how they're the same with Dusty, the cat writer author of Cat Wrangling Made Easy and Kittens for Dummies, and a new book. What's your new book, Dusty? It's Cat Scene Investigator, Solve Your Cat's Litter Box Mystery, and it will be out in August. And if you have inappropriate elimination issues with your cat, that's what you need. Okay, so really, it's a why mystery, or how can I fix this mystery? It's not so much a who done it. We know who done it. Kitty done it. Kitty done it on the carpet. Okay, we'll be back with Dusty Raybolt and Deb Wolf at the animal party, of course, on Pet Life Radio. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere, because the best is yet to come. Stick around. Well, she's sitting curled up on my lap as we speak. <laughs> Beautiful Bella's my long-haired Dotson. She was thrown out of a pickup truck going 30 miles an hour, and she disappeared into the woods with the wild animals, uh, boars and coyotes. About four weeks later, she just appeared, and she was a mess. Her fur was matted. She scratched almost nonstop. My friend suggested that I order this stuff called Dinovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. She gobbles it up. She has been itch-free ever since, and her fur is gorgeous. Anyone out there who has a rescue dog, start them on a Dinovite diet for at least a 90-day period. They bond better with the people who take good care of them. They are going to be your buddy for a very, very long time. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Looking for the best advice on pet health, safety, and travel? Connect with the Pet Lady. Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady, will surely be in a city near you real soon. She will be spreading the good news for pets and pet lovers from tips on dog and cat care, pet industry trends, and the best events for you and your four-legged family members. Need a great gift idea or insights on the hottest pet gadgets? Simply follow the Pet Lady on Twitter at Pet Lady World. You can also learn more at the Pet Lady at thepetlady.net. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. You're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. You're listening to Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Hope you have your party shoes on and your cats and dogs are on their best behavior. Let's do that, Dusty. How can we use our knowledge and our observations about cats and dogs relaxing and how they can have non-conflicts to introduce the one to the other? Because I found that I've got a DVD out with Dog Training Made Easy and it's got this on there, how to introduce cats to dogs. And I often find cat people objecting to how I do it. The dog people never object. But I make sure nobody gets hurt. There's no conflict. It's always positive. It's little bits at a time until they're used to each other. Total control of both animals. A lot of cat trainers want the cat to just come and go whenever, and the dog has to just deal with it. What do you think? Well, the way I do it is I usually tether the dog, 
and I do let the cat come and go, as long as they're not being aggressive. Sometimes uh, the cats go after the dog, and that's not, that's not acceptable either. But you never want to confine the cat and release the dog, because the cat is the prey animal here. Let the cat come up, meet him, give the cat treats in the dog or the new cat's presence, and let him know that good things happen. And you need the dog to be under control. You need to have places where the cat can, elevated places where the cat can get away from the dog or even the kid. Right. And the cat's safety really needs to be foremost, unless you have a problem with cat bullying the dog. And that's a whole different thing. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, sometimes when I go into a house where I'm asked to come deal with the cat versus dog problem, they think it's a dog problem, but it's actually a cat problem. But sometimes, because I'm only there for an hour, we can't wait. You know, they mm-hmm. <laughs> can't wait for the cat to finish hiding for six hours underneath the last drawer of the closet or whatever. So you kind of, I kind of have to stage it and the cat has to be controlled and made to stay. But the dog is never allowed to harass him and there's no chasing and there's no aggression and Mm -hmm. the cat's held by the person he loves the most and at a distance he can handle and that kind of thing. Okay, so what would you say, how do they tell which is the problem, the cat or the dog, by the body language, if they've got a cat-dog problem? Well, uh, you just have to watch. I mean, if the cat is the bully, you're probably going to see the dog slinking away from the cat. Uh, When we first got our little dog, Abby, it looked like the scene from Airplane. She came in and a couple of cats uh, bopped her on the nose. And after two of them said, uh, we're the boss, I stopped it. And uh, But she was shrinking away from it, and it's like, okay, that's it. You've made your point. Leave, leave the dog alone. And they got along great after that. Uh, the dog respected the cats. The cat respected the dog. And uh, a couple months later, they were actually sleeping together. But just watch. Who's who's slinking? Who's... who's okay, uh, and if, if you've got a situation, because you often do, I do here all the time. Certain of my dogs love cats. And the cats, those cats know which dogs those are. But Mm -hmm. sometimes they still do something they're not supposed to do. You know, harass the cat or chase it a little, then stop short. You know, something they're not supposed to do. So I have to kind of redirect. So when people are working on this, after they've made some progress and the animals are getting along, I still want them interfering with the chasing. And I still want not much or if any unsupervised, like the cat should never be trapped with the dog when they're not home. Right? That's basic. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the cat always needs, I mean, regardless of how much you trust the dog, the cat needs a place that he can easily get to uh, a safe place. And like, again, even if you have small kids, they still need that. You know, sometimes I think I know so, so much about something. You know, I've been doing this a long time, met so many dogs with Camp Good Dog. I do reading every week on animal topics and read the books of my guests, like your books. And, you know, so I think I know so much about whatever. And here I am breeding dogs for over 10 years now, my own dogs, but doing it for other people even longer, sort of acting as a doggy midwife. And I think I know everything there is to know about that sort of a thing. And I've got my golden retriever about to have her puppies. And she taught me something new. And it's only because of her body language that I was even receptive to it. Because all the books, all the knowledge, all the wisdom on canine breeding is not right when it comes to her. With everything I've read, especially about wolves and wild animals, but also bred dogs, is that in order for her to feel relaxed enough to have her litter, in order for her to be confident and comfortable to have her litter, all the males should be away from her. That's what it always says. Well, in this dog's case, 
she's really bonded with her stud, her pair bond, her, her husband, really bonded with him and uh, his son. Really, they're a trio. They love each other. She would not have those puppies. I put the boys down at the kennel so she could have her space and a whole area, you know. She just was hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. And she kept showing me with her body language, with her face, with her mourning for them song and stuff like this, that she wanted them back. So sure enough, three days after I was starting to get worried about when are these puppies coming, I bring them back up. They're not right with her, but enough that they can sort of meet and greet each other, go for a little pee together, have some time together, right? She right away that first night has all her puppies, all healthy, all great, everything's good. And up until now, the whole time I've been breeding, every single female I've ever had have puppies does not want male dogs near them for the first weeks. Every single one. This one welcomed them in the next day. I had to shoo them out. I could not believe it. Like, she just doesn't, her, but it's her body language that told them, told me, told everyone. She doesn't think they're a threat. And they're not a threat to her. They're so pack bonded that these are their pups, you know? So it's just sometimes you have to be willing to disregard everything you think you know and learned. Because your animal's saying, look, you know, my ears are back, but I love you and I love you petting me in the case of your cat, right? It's against everything mm-hmm. you do. And still, Absolutely. there it is, right? But you have to know the animal. And, and you know, never, uh, if it's an animal you don't know, then assume the old rule. Ears back, don't touch. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And when in doubt, err on the side of caution. I mean, even though she thinks these males are safe with her puppies, I'm still making sure I'm always there. There's only a few minutes. They come, they sniff, and they leave again. You know, this is not a free-for-all where one could get squished because right now they're just about to open their eyes, right? Like they're little tiny potato puppies. They're not up to being, you know, underneath a bunch of dogs running through. So it has to be really controlled. Sometimes, you know, but it's interesting that she would, she would make this distinction. It's just, you know, there's a few things about this dog that are, that are, I'm open to, you know, that she's taught me things because I was open to her body language. So um, I think you got to stay open to your pets and what they're telling us. Absolutely. They know what they want. <laughs> so our yeah. job is to understand them as best we can and live together happily. Well, I think that's all the time we have today, Dusty. Is there anything you feel we missed? Is there any body language in a cat that people really need to be aware of that we didn't cover, do you think? No, I think think we're good. It is the Reader's Digest version, but uh, we can talk about it again. I think we maybe need to write a book on this. I don't know. (laughs) We probably do. Yeah, something like um, Cats and Dogs, Body... Well, we'll have to come up with a title another day, but Cats and Dogs always always catchy raining cats go. and dogs there you go like cats and dogs <laughs> yeah well dusty okay so can you give out the book information again because i know it's coming sure. out soon it's uh coming out in august it's called cat scene investigator solve your cat's litter box mystery it's on uh understanding and stopping inappropriate elimination and it's going to be very thorough uh and it's funny it's it's not like reading a textbook you should have a good time reading it and uh, I'm hoping it'll be very helpful to people. Well, okay, so the thing about cat elimination, why we so often talk about uh, inappropriate elimination in cats, is because it is the number one complaint. When you and I do live radio shows and people call in, you know, (laughs) I don't think I've ever done a live hour show where people call in where we didn't get at least one, my cat's peeing in the bathtub, my cat's peeing in the carpet, my cat won't poop in the litter box, my cat, always, 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 it's the number one complaint, and... 
sadly, it's the number one reason people give up cats. So that's really playing into this. We don't want them going to be euthanized somewhere and be unadoptable somewhere just because you didn't know that the litter box was too close to the furnace. And in the cold season, it makes a banging noise that scares the crap out of your cat or rather scares the crap right back into your cat who won't crap there. So, (laughs) you know, there's little things like where you like Dusty's very good from all these stories all these years at figuring out exactly what's throwing the cat off its game. And you'll read these stories and go, oh, wait a minute, that is my problem. I'm doing the same thing. Wait a minute, you mean all I have to do is move that thing or get another one? Or what did what, what this lady do to fix it? She changed the What'd she do? Because a lot of times they get into habits. And I've had this myself. I had a cat that was good as gold litter trained all her life and then got a little old, started to pee on the bed. Ah. But, you know, she, her eyesight, her perceptions, her fear levels changed. She needed an open litter box. I had no idea. But Dusty helped me with that well, one. So, you know, you well, just and gotta, that, that is yeah. the thing. That I just need to add this. Anytime mm-hmm. you talk about inappropriate elimination, anytime there is a behavior change at all, a cat starts going out of the litter box, starts sleeping someplace different, you need to take them to the vet. And please don't just assume because something happened that the cat's doing this to get even. So many times, so many times, it is a health issue. I adopted the most fabulous two boy brother kitties, uh, Patton and Tank, and the couple that adopted them, I thought this was the perfect couple. Well, after six months, one of them called, oh, my God, uh, Patton is pooping in the tub. I said, we'll take him to the vet. Oh, we did. He's fine. And so I took him back, took him to the vet, and he was suffering in in stage liver disease. We lost him, and you know, oh. so we don't know if he got into something. But the the guys insisted they took him to the vet. But had they taken him to the vet and had blood work, they would have known months earlier, and they might have been able to save him. So well, and uh, oftentimes it's something not so. You know what? There's so. <laughs> I'd say so often it's crystals in the urine and it can be fixed at the vet and it's not going to take forever. It's not something you have to live with. You know, you're spending like, how many times are you cleaning that carpet? How many times are you cleaning the floor? How many times are you getting mad at the cat and scolding the cat when all you need is 10 days of pills and he's done? He's good, right? Like it could be something like that. It could be very easy. It It could be because, as you said, cat's older, he might have something like hyperthyroidism or diabetes that causes him to pee more. And then the box is disgusting because he's using it two or three times a day more. So, Or, or maybe arthritis and he can't get yeah, in it anymore awesome. because you have the kind he has to jump into with the high li- But the vet will help you figure this out too. And then once you've ruled out that he doesn't have a medical problem, then what, Dusty? Well, then, then we start playing detective and the book tells you how to start looking at things. Uh, I give you a list of questions that you need to answer. And I think the the list is very eye-opening. So uh, it causes you to start observing and looking at things from the perspective of a detective. Nice. Okay, everybody. So Dusty Catwriter, Dusty Rainbow. And Deb Wolf, if you're looking for me, I think you're really looking for the puppies. And they're on Camp Good Dog (laughs) Facebook. I may take some pictures of my cats. Maybe. I've got quite a few. Well, I'm supposed to have five or six, but there's a couple from the neighborhood that just kind of hang out here and visit all the time, enough that I have to consider them mine by now. So because if something happened to them, I would take them to the vet. I figure that's kind of the the division line, you know, when it's yours and not yours. Because I think, is it true, Dusty, that cats pick their owners? 
I think they do a lot of times. Uh, if you if you're at an adopt a pet and the the cat is really trying to get to you, pay attention because uh, I have had a couple of them tell me I want to go home with you, and it's just like oh god, I don't need another cat. But I was so glad that I listened to them because they were very special cats. Or they may show Well, I wish they could read English. <laughs> I wish I wish they could read the sign that said Camp Good Dog and head on out. But nope, they keep coming. So I have uh, <laughs> the cats I'm supposed to have and a couple extra. And sometimes they check out the newborn puppies. Sometimes they visit with the puppies and the dogs. It's It can be great-footed. So I'll put that up on Camp Good Dog if I get some. Don't worry, cat lovers. You won't be ignored. Plus, I do have a pet expert site, Deborah Wolf Pet Expert on Facebook. If you ever want to get the cat stuff, cat stuff, dog stuff, all the wildlife stuff, anything I'm interested in or seeing or photographing or experiencing goes up there. And the dogs at Camp Good Dog are always on Camp Good Dog on Facebook. So that's how you can check me out further. And I plan to do more shows coming up. And in a little while, we'll have Dusty back again to talk about something else, Eli. So, Dusty, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I look forward to coming back again. Well, I hear that you're quite the person to party with. You'll have to if we ever do. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have a great time if we ever do go. Because, uh, yep, your holiday sounds just perfect to me. So this party, this animal party on Pet Life Radio, you're always invited. You're always on my guest list. Thank you. Be there or be square. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks a lot, Dusty. Until next time, everybody, be good to your animals. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.